Welcome everyone to the Healing Place Podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock. Excited to have you here with us, listening in, and also excited to have another wonderful guest. I will be doing some introductions in just a moment, but just wanted to welcome you here first to this space filled with motivation and inspiration and healing stories. Welcome everybody to the Healing Place Podcast. Excited to have you here and I'm super excited to have Mary Giuliani with me. So welcome. Thank you so much, Terry. It's so great to be here. Oh my gosh, I've been excited about it. We talked a few weeks ago on the phone, kind of a little pre-interview chat and I think we stayed on the phone for like a good half hour with each other. So I know. I know. Wonderful. So tell it what tell the audience what it is that you that you do. Well, uh, how I originally found you was through the acesconnection.com, which is a, a website for ACES, is, is stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences, and it's a whole community of professionals that really are passionate about really educating people about the impact of adverse childhood experiences, that how it can have a really, cast a really long shadow on a person's life all the way throughout their childhood and their adulthood, and it's really uh, basically uh, the premise is that when we're a child growing up in a really stressful environment, whether it's uh, drug or alcohol abuse with parents or fighting with parents or sexual or emotional neglect or abuse, um, the child's brain is in a developing stage and and it actually gets impacted in a way to where uh, it causes the nervous system. It's really a form of trauma, like a form of PTSD. And, um, you know, although I knew that growing up in a, a pretty stressful home uh, had impacted me on a psychological level, it wasn't until I realized that there was also brain, uh, a, some brain uh, stuff that happened for me that I didn't really connect up until I read this book called The Body Keeps Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And so uh, the reason I got involved with the ACEs connection, which is all about talking about the impacts of childhood trauma or childhood adversity, was because I felt that the the mental health community had really failed me in that I had struggled with food and uh, being extremely overweight for many decades and uh, never realized until I understood that the, the impact on my brain, body, and mind from the, the, the really uh, intense adversity that I experienced growing up had really was at the root cause of my obesity. Right. And so I really felt called to get the word out there that there's so many people struggling with severe obesity that don't have any idea that it's related to the way their brains, bodies, and minds were impacted from their childhood. And if they could get to the root cause, they could get to a real long-term solution. And so fortunately, I've been able to maintain 160-pound weight loss for the last 16 years. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a miracle. And um, and I wanted to help other people really uh, understand the possible root cause of, of their problems with weight in their body. And, you know, and it is amazing to me how many people that I've had on this show or just talked to in the ACES community, mm-hmm. that book comes up oh, all the yeah. time, all the time. And it's on yeah. mine. You know, when I give my speeches, I at the end, I, I put up a, a slide of, of books that helped me along my healing journey, and that one's right up there. Exactly. Like on my website, it's like that particular book, I, I have a, a my website, MaryGiuliani.net, where I've got all my favorite authors. And that particular book, I always put a little a little note in there. This book, and I've been on the personal growth journey for 30 years, 
but this book, I had more epiphanies than any other book I've read in probably 20 years, and that says a lot. And, and I think the reason is because it's hardcore science that shows there's literally, literally brain scans of children that were uh, raised in a really uh, emotionally neglectful environment compared to a child that was raised in an emotionally nurturing environment. And you can, it's, it's, it's irrefutable. It's, uh, the, the lack of development um, is clearly what causes so many issues from everything from attention deficit disorder to eating, disorder, eating disorders like what I had. But what was really beneath my eating disorder was chronic anxiety. And, you know, I needed to medicate myself because my brain had been changed to become hyper aroused to deal with the chronic stress in my family environment. And I did, you know, when you're a little kid, you don't think, oh, I have an anxiety disorder and that's why I eat. You just, it's the only brain you've ever lived in. And so, and also food was modeled in my family as a way to cope with stress. My dad was a foodie. And his dad, you know, my grandfather weighed over 300 pounds most of his adult life and unfortunately uh, died of a, a heart attack at 59. And uh -huh. so that's another piece of how the way uh, the people in our families cope with stress gets passed down through the, you know, through the generations as well. Right. Well, that generational link is, is starting to come up more and more in the ACEs community as well. And, you know, right. stopping, that, stopping that cycle. Um, yeah, of, of whatever whatever cycle it is, but yeah, absolutely. Right, so uh, when I read the, and, and, and the reason why it was such an aha for me, even I, I'm a life coach, I've been a life coach for 25 years, and so I'm steeped in personal growth. It's my passion, I'm always got my nose in a book, something. And, I, I, and it was like, I never even thought that, that I would have trauma because I, along with probably the most people uh, thought that trauma had to be related to sexual or physical abuse. Right. And of course it is, but what's not stated and what gets so underserved in the mental health community are people like me, where I didn't have sexual or physical abuse, but mine was emotional neglect and emotional abuse. So like emotional neglect, a lot of people don't even realize that they have it or have been exposed to it, but basically, when you're in, a, in an environment where your parents are fighting or just they can't resolve their conflict, uh, and and you're obviously traumatized or upset by that, but your parents aren't able to come to you and be attuned to your feelings of sadness or anger or or loss, that's emotional neglect. Or when you um, when you're shamed for just having needs you know, just for, for wanting something and, and shame for being a selfish person on a regular basis, that's emotional neg neglect and abuse. And, and so a lot of people don't realize that that is a form of trauma. And I didn't. And, right. and that's why after reading Bessel's book, it was like, oh my God, you know, no wonder I, I was uh, really tense and I was really anxious and I needed to medicate with food and, uh, and then the, the, whole, the whole shame thing that happens for us with trauma as well. Um, so it just keeps the cycle going. Yeah. Well, when you had mentioned just a second ago, and it, it made me think about the whole brain plasticity thing and how, you know, as we, as we develop these habits, so yours was with eating food, um, how we just start to create almost like these ruts in our brains of the, these, this habit formation. And right. the beautiful part is that now we're discovering that those habits, and as you've discovered by keeping 160 pounds off for 16 years, um, that you can change 
those habits and change, and, and that's the beauty of the brain, is that. Exactly. And it, it, I mean, it wasn't until, I don't know how many years ago, but I remember when I was growing up, uh, I don't know, when I was maybe first on my personal growth path in my early, mid-20s, I think that was back when they still thought the brain wasn't plastic and it couldn't be changed. And so now right. the, the brain is plastic. Um, the thing, though, that really blew my mind after reading The Body Keeps the Score is all the different deficits that can happen as a result of being exposed to what they call toxic stress. So toxic stress is being raised in that crazy family where you can't have needs, where there's a lot of tension, where there's drug or alcohol abuse, all of those different things, sexual, physical abuse, emotional neglect. Um, so what happens is the brain, you know, you're five years old, right? You've got this very young developing brain. And so the back, the, uh, the uh, fight, flight, freeze part of the brain overdevelops to cope with all that stress because the brain develops as, it's a social organ, it, de it develops based on its environment. So that, so then, you know, you're, you're more hyper aroused, sort of hyper vigilant, like when's mom's gonna be drunk, when's dad gonna leave, you know, when am I gonna get bullied at school because you're always on alert, because you have to be. Right. But the front part of the brain, which is the part, the uh, frontal lobe part of the brain doesn't develop as much and that's the part that's responsible for impulse control, where, you know, when, if you don't have good impulse control and you use food to cope, it's gonna be really hard to not eat. Right. So I, when I realized, oh my God, my impulse control had been um, compromised by my environment, um, it, it made me realize that, oh my God, this was never really my fault to begin with. And there's so much blame and shame that goes with food and weight issues. And so not only are you, you know, needing to use food to just medicate your anxiety, but then you also get shamed by the culture and your family for being overweight and not being able to control your food when your brain got changed because of your environment to where it really impacted your ability to even control your impulses. Right. And so it was so, uh, you know, um, it, it really helped me have more compassion for myself. It, it's almost like... Um, I don't know who said this, maybe Gabor Mate, are you familiar with him? <clears throat> really great teacher that's very aligned with the adverse childhood experiences concept. Um, that instead of mental illness, because he really equates all mental illness with as a trauma-based issue, it's really mental injury. Oh, I love that. I love that philosophy. Yeah. It's like, it, 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 and, and in, so in, in a sense, I was injured as a result of my environment, in my, my brain was injured. It's almost like a traumatic brain injury. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you're blaming your parents, and you know. And the deal is, what I've realized is that my mom and dad parented me the way they were parented, and they really did the best they could. And it's not to say I shouldn't feel angry or sad or rage. I need to feel whatever feelings I need to feel in a safe environment with a competent trauma-based therapist. Or, uh, but once I can process and integrate all of that, then I could realize that they really did do the best they they could. I mean, obviously they were just you know, it was crazy and it was it was as I say in my on my website, it was the family from hell. That's what it felt for me. Right. Um, I don't think I've ever had anyone explain it more beautifully. Like that's an aha moment for me because it, that's exactly the way. Once I was able to process it with my therapist and EMDR in a healthy way but i finally allowed myself the anger i finally allowed myself the sadness i finally yeah. allowed myself all of that 
but it wasn't a blame thing with my parents. It was a forgiveness thing. Right, right, exactly. So, but, and I think it, it's such an important step though, because part of the, you know, the trauma is that it lives the unprocessed feelings of rage or anger or shame or blame sure. or whatever, they live in our body as, as, as tension or as an eventually illness. A panic attack on this end, right. Exactly. Right. Anxiety and then food addiction. And then later on, I ended up with problems with alcohol and stuff like that too. Um, but again, it was never, um, it was just a way for me to, it was, you know, another thing I've learned in the trauma world is it was a normal response to an abnormal environment. And again, it relieves the shame. And that's the biggest piece. Um, well, one of the biggest pieces to begin healing is as long as I felt shame for having a weight problem or for having a problem with alcohol, um, it was like I just stayed stuck in that cycle of I'm a weak, you know, person. And, and unfortunately, our, our cultures, I mean, if you look at the stats, like 50% of our culture believes that people with food or alcohol or drug problems uh, are, have a moral failing, that they're weak or they're lazy, right. and don't realize that uh, we're really using these things as a solution. It's not, you know, I mean, it, as Dr. Vince Valetti from the ACES study state, uh, found with, uh, he was the co-founder of the Adverse Childhood Experiences study, which birthed this whole movement in his obesity clinic where he stumbled upon this whole thing. Yes, right. um, he really found that the women in his the women and men in his obesity clinic didn't look at food or being overweight as a problem. It was actually an attempt at a solution. And so what he found was that uh, food was being used as a psychoactive substance. Um, and a large body was being used as a protective factor. Yeah. And um, and so like the psychoactive substance uh, is used like, for example, sugar was used as a mood stimulant. Um, uh, carbs or fats are used as a, a, a pain reliever or a numbing kind of thing. And um, and so, so again, it, he, he was he was able to say, you know, the, the the weight and the food addiction is really like the smoke. The fire is really the trauma of trying to medicate a brain that's been changed by this environment. And so, um, the other thing that blew my mind with the Bessel van der Kolk book, The Body Keeps the Score, was when so I'm reading all this stuff, going, oh my God, this is why I've had uh, this is why I had impulse control issues. The other piece that gets changed in your brain from childhood trauma is uh, the satiation part of your brain that feels satisfied is, is uh, compromised. So it takes more to feel the pleasure. It's like the pleasure center. So for me, uh, I not only had impulse control issues, but it took more food for me to feel satisfied because my brain had been changed. You know, so it, it's like those pieces as well. Um, the other piece is attention issues. Um, when the, front, the frontal lobe, since it doesn't uh, develop as, as much because it's too busy developing the fight, flight, freeze piece, uh, you can have attention disorder, attention deficit disorder issues. And uh, for me, I had difficulty in school as a result of that. And then you get the shame and the blame from your parents for not doing well in school. And of course, I would go to food to medicate that. And so the point is, is the big breakthrough for me was realizing that none of this was ever my fault to begin with, and that relieved a huge burden, you know, of, of feeling like a bad, weak, lazy person. Right. And and also that 
it made more sense why all of these things that I had tried never really worked. Because until I could get my brain regulated, in other words, calmed down uh, without the use of food, no matter how many diets I did, I, you know, the, the operating system in my brain was not, you know, the way I like to describe it is people that have childhood trauma, if they have a hyper aroused brain, it's like your brain is running at 100 miles an hour when the normal brain runs at like 60. And so you can't, it, it, you can't change that with talk therapy. And, and that was the other piece that kind of at, at first, like, what? You know, I've done talk therapy for right. years. Like, but I did too. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're saying to me that all these years that I did therapy, yes, it helped, but it can't completely resolve it. It's like, why didn't any of these mental health practitioners say anything? Right. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about this because I suffered for 40 years with a severe eating disorder. Uh, I was over 300 pounds. And, you know, anybody that's weighed over 300 pounds, it's a really painful experience from a, every angle, emotional, physical, spiritual, relational. And, um, and if, if the, the mental health community was really aware that childhood adversity can cause childhood trauma and that the trauma that a person has can only be healed. It, it, it needs more than just talk therapy like EMDR, like neurofeedback, like yoga, like movement and somatic right. therapy. Right. They could have saved me years of suffering. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. Oh, I completely understand. And you know, when I started on my healing journey, which mine only happened, I experienced a shift in 2013. And so it's only been, but like you, I, I've read, I've researched every book I can get my hands on, you know, being part of the ACEs connection and doing EMDR therapy. But I've also done Ho'oponopono Hawaiian healing. I've done EFT or tapping. I've done yoga. I take nature walks. I've, I've incorporated, I, I like to call it, I've built myself a toolbox. Yeah, um, and I can utilize so many of these, and they've all helped. They've all been a part. So it, there is no one solution in talk therapy. Exactly. While it helped, like you said, yeah. is not the end all, be all. You, you, people just have to have so much more that they can utilize to help process the trauma. Well, exactly, and and so uh, the, so I would highly recommend anybody watching this that is, and, and, and this, you know, I'm talking today about how. The trauma played out for me. I medicated with food, and I developed a very life-threatening uh, obesity problem. But that's just one one piece. You can also develop a, a problem with alcohol. You can problem uh, problems with drugs, or problems with uh, being in really unhealthy, uh, like becoming a major people pleaser. I mean, I've seen people get so strung out on people pleasing that they almost die. You know, just so overscheduled, so feeling responsible. So it doesn't have to be alcohol or drugs. It can be behavioral uh, dysfunction or addictions or sex or gambling or the internet or anything. You know, an addiction is anything that you crave and uh, you get temporary pleasure from, but uh, it causes problems in your life that you're not able to stop it. So, uh, you know, um, but the point is, is the source is to not chase the addiction, but to really chase the pain. Like what, where, where, what's really, What's, really What's triggering this? Yeah, right. And um, you can take the ACEs survey. Uh, it's a 10-question survey to determine how many adverse childhood experiences you've had to get a feel for how much toxic stress that you were exposed to as a child. And it may give you some major insight into why you may have problems 
with um, the food, drugs, alcohol, or uh, relationships are a big challenge for us in, um, in childhood adversity. Um, you can take that, that quiz by going to my site, marygiuliani.net, and there's a little tab up there that says take the ACEs survey. But the other piece that I think a lot of people don't realize that they've been impacted by uh, as a result of childhood adversity is in relationships. And this was another mind blower for me after reading Bessel's book, um, how adverse childhood experiences happen in the context of relationships. So here we are if, with our young developing brains and bodies and minds. And if we're in an environment that's really, really super stressful, we can associate close relationships with a stress response. And so what happens as we get older is when we get into uh, intimate or friendships or romantic relationships, we can literally trigger these this unhealed trauma. And it's just, it, it, it may seem really subtle, but just that, and I didn't realize this until I read his book, by the way, I didn't realize how my body was responding in all these different ways. Like, but, um, so people, uh, people can trigger this, this stress, stress response in us and it can really cause havoc in our relationships. So a lot of people with childhood trauma have difficulty maintaining any kind of close relationships, whether it's friends or, or romantic partners in there and, you know, and then ex experience a lot of loneliness and a lot of sadness. And, and the reason is because we really do need those kinds of relationships right. to be fully happy. Or we can go to the opposite extreme and become so enmeshed that we lose ourselves. Yeah. So that's another area too. Um, I was just going to say that I think a big part of that is the boundaries. We, yes. we, we never were taught how to have a healthy boundary in a relationship. And I know for me personally, um, I found myself drawn to very toxic. Um, I, I was drawn to that toxicity. And my sister and I have talked about that a lot, obviously growing up. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I just was going to say, we decided that we felt off kilter if we weren't in chaos because that was our norm. Exactly. That's what exactly. we grew up. And so we didn't quite, peace and, and tranquility was like, what do we do with this? And, right. and when my therapist, I remember her tell, talking to me about a friendship that was very toxic. And she said, you know, you really need to put some healthy boundaries in place. And I was like, um, what's right. a boundary and how do I do it? <laughs> right. right. And thank goodness. I mean, um, and that's part of what I teach. Like it, part of what I do to help women that are uh, really struggling with obesity issues and, and food is yes. Uh, you know, you have to have a mindful and a self-loving food plan and, and that sort of thing, but it's not, I mean, diet and exercise are like 5% of the big picture. But uh, the, the big stuff I work on, like I taught an online course called Permanent Weight Loss Formula, how to reach and maintain a healthy weight for life. Um, a big piece of that is really learning how to um, learn, learning healthy boundaries in, in relationships. And because one of the protective factors that people use as a, with their large bodies, if, if there's been sexual abuse, it's a sexually protective factor to have a large body. So that's, it's like, when, when we get traumatized, especially sexually traumatized, um, the, the, uh, the stress response, if, if we have people coming at us from a sexual level, it can get triggered. And a lot of times we can't say no. We just get, you know, we don't have the ability to even speak. Right. So our body will do that for us. Uh, the other protective factor is um, physical abuse. 
uh, if I'm bigger, then people won't mess with me because I can, you know, I, I'll appear bigger and stronger, kind of like that whole uh, saying of throwing your weight around. Yeah. And the third protective factor of having a large body is, and this was an interesting one and the one I could relate to the most, uh, it's socially protective. And I'm like, what does he mean by that, Dr. Felice? And basically, it's, um, he found that uh, our culture, unfortunately, doesn't expect as much from heavy people. And so, therefore, it's safer to be heavy in the sense that people aren't going to say, why aren't you going for it in your career? Or why aren't you risking? Because they won't expect as much from you if you're mm -hmm. heavy. That makes me think like, like a lazy factor. Like, oh, well, you're, you're too lazy to lose your weight and work out? Or? Well, it's, more like, it's more like if you're overweight, uh, the culture looks at you like, well, the person doesn't have the, uh, just the drive. the drive or the ability or, okay. or won't be successful because of their weight or okay. whatever. And, and in other words, it, it, and for me, it was like, it, it, it's a way to kind of stay spun out in the weight drama. I'm going to lose the weight and then I'm going to get in the relationship. Or I'm going to lose the weight and then I'm going to go for my career. Or um, it's a way to stay safe and um like if I weigh three or 400 pounds, th there's not a lot of, like if I weigh 120 pounds, there's more of, oh, you, you know, you have everything going for you, you should go for it in your career. But if I weigh three or 400 pounds, it's almost more like, oh, you really need to handle your weight, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just a different expectation. Okay. So you don't have the pressure, you don't have the social pressure to, to go for it. Right. And so it becomes a safe, it, it, in other words, you don't have to risk, you don't have to risk the shame of failure, which we all have to risk anyway. And so I remember that was, uh, it's like an excuse to not have to play out. It's a, an excuse to quit in a sense. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. So yeah. and it, you've talked about it, but who, so who is your target audience? Who do you? Right. I, I like working with women uh, that are, that typically have, well, that have had a difficult childhood and have and that are struggling with their weight. And it doesn't have to be a huge amount of weight. It just has to be an ongoing struggle where they haven't been able to get it under control or just feel like it's a war. Like there's this sense of no matter what I do, I'll lose 20 or 30 or 100 pounds, but I always gain it back. And um, so it's really about getting down to the emotional, like really dealing with the emotional stuff that keeps them needing to use food to cope and need, and possibly needing to use a heavy body to feel protected. And so, um, and you know, whether you've had weight loss surgery or just been on diets or exercise and it's done therapy, because I've done all of those things actually. I had weight loss surgery 16 years ago. And I, a lot of people might think, well, you had weight loss surgery, that's how you've lost your weight and kept it off. And, and what's important to recognize about that is the average person after having gastric bypass surgery at the 10-year mark is only able to keep 50% of their weight off. And so so the reason I've been able to keep 100% of my weight off um, is because I've been healing my trauma. Right. And um, and the other thing that I like to say about weight loss surgery and, uh, and really dealing with trauma around weight is everybody's had different levels of trauma. And some people's trauma is so severe that even like I, I've written about this on my website, um, if I had known that trauma was at the root cause of my weight issues and had done all of these trauma-based evidence-based therapies like neurofeedback and yoga and EMDR and all of these things, 
I would have, I know I would have gone all in and done those. Um, however, what I've come to realize is that sometimes you can do all of these things and still have an issue because again, everybody's trauma is different. And the way I look at weight loss surgery is as it's a harm reduction treatment. And what, what that means really is harm reduction treatments are anything that will reduce harm that somebody is dealing with that they can't resolve on their own. And they can be really life-saving. And, and the way I look at it for people with morbid obesity is if you have, I recommend people try all the different uh, trauma-based therapies to really see if you can get your weight to a healthy level without having to do surgery. But if you can't, you deserve any intervention that will work for you. And the way I look at it is this. If you were injured in a car accident and you hurt your leg and you went to a doctor and the doctor said, well, just do physical therapy for three or four months, see how it goes. And if not, we'll do surgery. Right. We were injured. Yes. And therapy might not completely heal it. And if you need weight loss surgery to save your life, get weight loss surgery. I mean, obviously talk to your doctor about it. But there's so much stuff around even weight loss surgery, like, oh, you should be able to do it on your own. And right. Like, you know, if you got injured in a car accident, you wouldn't say, well, you should be able to heal your leg on your own and not have surgery. You know what right. I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my philosophy on that. But, um, you know, um, even if you do have surgery, you're going to have to deal with the trauma. You're going right. to have to, or you'll, you'll likely gain half your weight after 10 years. And as you know, Weight is not the only thing that can get out of control with unhealed trauma, but then with our nervous systems being so hyper aroused, we tend to, we're at risk for a lot of different diseases. Sure. You know, autoimmune diseases, if we don't get trauma healed and our nervous system calmed down. Right. So really important to get to the root. And plus, you're going to have better relationships, you know, better health and, and everything. So, yeah. Quite wonderful. So, and I think you've, you've covered some of this, you know, one of the questions I had sent to you was why is this topic so important to you? And you, you've certainly addressed yeah. that. Nobody, I mean, nobody's, not that I, I, I haven't really seen it, anybody that prominently out there talking about obesity being related, being caused by unhealed childhood trauma. And the fact that the whole ACEs study started in obesity I, is kind of mind blowing. And just for some, just so you guys know, for stats on this, if you have four or more adverse childhood experiences, and again, that's how you find out that is by taking the ACEs survey, um, which is on my site, marygiuliani.net. Um, and if you have four or more, you have a 250% chance of having severe obesity, which is being 75 pounds or more overweight for the average woman. So there's a definite link with that. And, and I think it would relieve a lot of shame, <clears throat> but more important, well, as importantly, get people the kind of treatment that will work at getting to the root cause, which is healing the trauma, and also finding ways, uh, a healthier relationship with food in your body and a healthier relationship with yourself and other people. Because the bottom line is, I didn't get the emotional connection and attunement that I needed. And so food was there when my parents couldn't be. Right. And so today I have, over the past 20 years, I've been working on my emotional healing. So it's been learning about just how to be vulnerable, how to uh, pick safe people, how to say no, how to disappoint people and not go into shame spirals. Right, <laughs> right. Like that. And um, 
but we didn't get taught that, you know, in our dysfunctional families. We got taught, I at least got taught to feel responsible for other people's feelings. And, um, you know, and so a lot of what I teach my students is emotional, uh, how to do healthy emotional relationships, how you need healthy emotional relationships to have true fulfillment. Uh, but also how to manage a food and exercise plan. Because even today, uh, I still am impulsive. I can, I still have some impulse. You know, I, I do a lot of neurofeedback. I do a lot of, of different uh, trauma-based therapies, and it, they've helped tremendously. And I know that I know that I'm still not. I, I don't have the impulse control that I think a person without trauma has. And so I've learned how to put myself out of harm's way with my food plan and not beat myself up when I do when I'm not hungry. And, um, and, you know, um, so there's, there's really, I think it's really important for people that have experienced trauma to, to learn how to negotiate living, maintaining a healthy weight and, and having a food plan that can work for them, um, even based on their vulnerabilities around trauma. Oh, absolutely. No, it absolutely makes sense. And one of the things that um, Sammy's sitting here next to me, she's saying hi. Sammy, um, you say hi. What I mean, I love it. I love it that when you brought up the, the whole aces and, and the score of four or more. Mm -hmm. How, well, how many things jump up? I mean, not just the obesity, but but your chance yeah. of you know diabetes and heart disease and but the beautiful part too is that the resilience factor and how. Um, you know, especially for, for kiddos who are exposed to these, you know, environments that they may be having a difficult time in their family, is that we're now realizing that if we can help build resilience in these children and Absolutely. Um, and teach ourselves resilience and, and how much hope there is in that. And that's what you're doing, I think, you know, with, with your work. Yeah. Thank goodness there were some there were some resilient sort of factors in my childhood to where I didn't completely go off the I mean right I mean I did go off the rails I'm not going to say I didn't go off the rails. right right <laughs> and thank God though I I got onto my personal growth path when I was 27 so uh, I didn't know it was trauma but I knew I had a lot of emotional stuff to work through regarding my eating problems and my alcohol problems. So I got into recovery and I got into codependency recovery and did a lot of different 12 step groups for many years and ACA. And so I really learned a lot about uh, boundaries and healthy relationships and uh, being true to myself and, and letting go of guilt and shame. And um, so, uh, but I didn't know I had trauma built till just recently. Um, but for kids, uh, it's so important to, you know, like Oprah, for example, you know, she had she could have gone way off the rails and she had this one teacher that was just such a support for her that made all the difference in the world so um, that's why I want to get the word out there that um, you know kids that are using food um, they're, they're doing the best they can to, to soothe themselves yeah and to find other ways that we can you know find the good in them and 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 really strength-based types of uh, of environments that, that they can really shine in and not be shamed over their weight or their food, but just to be educated and uh, the parents as well. Right. My parents had no clue that the environment they were creating was causing me and my brain to need to eat. Oh, I know. I talk to my mom now, you know, she's 82 and we're, 
we're on a healing journey together right now. Oh, that's so cool. She's uh, finally coming to terms with her alcoholism, and um, she has stopped drinking at 82 yeah. years old, right? Oh, my God. Right? So How crazy is that? I'm so, pr- I'm so proud of her. So proud of her. Wow. We had a very codependent relationship, and my childhood was not a pleasant one. Right. Um, for so many reasons, and her, she was a big part of that in just a very unhealthy environment. But to be able to, uh, you know, have the opportunity, I feel so blessed to have her still here with me so that we're able to resolve a lot of this. But, you know, talking to her about, you know, the environment she created for us as children, um, but as well as her own trauma history as a child. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, she's having these at 82 years old. Oh my God. Yeah, so cool. Like, I mean, she was talking about my grandpa who I just adored, her father. Right. You know, and she started talking about, you know, oh, you know, the time that grandpa, you know, had a knife. And so she started talking about this violent incident in her life. And I said, mom, that scarred you. I mean, and so yeah. she, she turned to alcohol as her numbing, you know, her, her drug of choice uh, for numbing her pain, her trauma. Um, and I swear her face was like, oh, well, I guess it did. Like, it was just, it, she had no idea, but she just yeah. hadn't even thought about herself as being traumatized by right. incidents of violence and these incidents that she was witnessing right. and a part of and the neglect that was happening. So, yeah. Well, what a gift you are to her to help her see oh, that. And, thank you. Thanks. Well, and, and you know what? I wanted to share this too. One of the things that was a huge aha for me over understanding that I had this trauma thing uh, is what they call having a cohesive narrative, a story that makes sense around why you've struggled so long with so many things is so healing in and of itself. You know, because most of us that have had these difficult childhoods like, like, why are relationships so hard for me? Or why has my weight or my issues with drugs or alcohol or picking the wrong people or careers or whatever been so hard for me? And when you really understand how your brain can get impacted and it causes attention issues, which can cause problems with your career, or it causes relationship issues because of the stress response of relationships, or it causes food or drugs, issues because of the impulse control deficits. I mean, all of these things were not our fault. And, right. you know, of course, we're responsible to heal them, but it just make it, it just understanding, oh, uh, now I get why, and it just calms you down. You're not always trying to figure out why, you know? Yes. No, I, I agree. When I, when I was able to, I, and again, it's not an excuse thing, but just have a story, like you said. Like, a story that makes sense. Yes, and I, and then I, I, when I found the whole ACEs thing, I'm telling you, it was just like such an amazingly beautiful moment in my life because yes. I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. Yes. Then finally, my life finally makes sense. Yes. <laughs> I know. One time when Jane, um, uh, from the founder of the ACEs Connection, oh yes, right, uh, stated uh, that. That, that when people realize that that the things that they did were normal under because they were exposed to abnormal circumstances, it allows you to let go of a huge amount of shame or guilt. Yeah. Because so many of us, when you're when you're exposed to that kind of toxic stress, you're you're just trying to survive. And and a lot of the things that, that happen in your life, you can have a lot of shame and guilt over. 
But when you realize that any child uh, that was exposed to that kind of toxic stress would have made choices to survive that you know maybe are not socially acceptable today. Right. And just giving yourself that permission and that self-compassion and also, I don't know about you, but it gave me huge compassion just for humanity. Oh, without a doubt, yes. I, I have found, and that's one of my messages I try to give out, is that now I look at people and I say, you know, that whole saying, which I know it's, it's huge right now, is instead of asking, you know, what's wrong with that person, ask what happened to that person. And I love that. And it changed my whole approach to people, you know, like, oh, that person's not just being an asshole. Like, there's probably something that has happened in this person's yep. life. That's their wall of defense. That's their, exactly. you know, and so, yeah. in a flight fight, and that's what they're doing. And Exactly. And it really, well, the other thing it really helped me get is how, it, and then underneath that is how innocent we all really are. Yeah. You know, and, and really how vulnerable we all really are. And, and it, it just changes your whole lens on humanity. And, um, and how to approach people from a whole different perspective. So absolutely, yeah. what happened to you versus what's wrong with you. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love thinking about that. Very, just beautiful of the innocence within, like we're all just that little innocence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that beautiful raw soul on the inside. Absolutely. And uh, our ego and in our defenses, you know, are trying to protect that. Yeah. Exactly, and, and, and when we can finally see that within ourselves, to me, that's when huge amounts of healing can happen, because you're not starting off feeling like, oh, there's something wrong with me, I'm bad, I'm, nobody's going to love me. It's more of, oh my God, I got injured. Yeah. Oh my God, you know, how can I get the support I need to heal? And, and then it, it just opens up so many doors, and it yeah. lifts so much burden. Um, so that's what I want to be a voice for for people out there. Well, beautiful, and I love it. All right, I'm going to get to my favorite question that I swear I'm going to make into okay. one of these days. So, because I love the answers. So, if you could meet anyone dead or alive who would help you with your journey, who would it be? Well, Oprah Winfrey. I'm telling you, she's my hero. Um, and you actually, my dream team. So, you know, yeah. I created, I created my dream team of who I'd have on it. She's on it. So, well, you know, I'm sure you probably caught the uh, 60 minutes. Uh, oh yeah, with Dr. Bruce Perry, yeah. Yeah, and uh, this was just, you know, what are we, in 2018, a few months ago. I think yeah, just a few months ago, right? right. So anybody watching it, you could probably Google it and find it, but um, it was thrilling to see her address this, since obviously she had a lot of trauma growing up, and um, she even said in that interview, if I could dance on the tables about trauma and people would listen, I would do it, because this topic is so near and dear to my heart. And I'm like, Oprah, I would dance on the tables with you. Yes. So, so uh, my goal and my dream and my vision is to engage with her on this topic and really, really uh, create a platform so that it can really get out there to the world. And I think between Oprah and Ace's Connection and all of us, uh, all of us trauma warriors that are out yes. there stories, I think we can do it. It's um, because this is about, you know, human dignity and, and about, um, really getting that we all really are doing the best we can and when we come from that place of compassion and um and really helping people heal versus punishing and blaming um the whole world can change oh without a doubt and i think it's more of us join hands and our voices raised you know in unison together yeah um, all of us trauma warriors you know the more that people are going to to come on board because like you said
we've all been traumatized in one way or another. Right. Um, and if we can all just connect in that way to, to help each other heal. Right. Uh, what a beautiful world it's going to be. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're on our way, Terry. Yes. Woo-hoo. Well, is there anything else you wanted to address? Um, you know, we. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if any of you uh, watching or listening are looking for help around any kind of trauma issues, especially with weight um, or any kind of addictions, I mean, this has been something I've been able, thank God, to heal on. And uh, I live a life that I truly love today. And, and literally, the war with food, weight, and my body is over, and it can be over for you, too, or any addiction. Um, and uh, so if you want to find out more about what I do, I'm a life coach and I'm also a speaker. Uh, my website is marygiuliani.net. That's Mary, G-I-U-L-I-A-N-I.net. And I have all, my whole story on there. I have um, stuff about uh, my permanent weight loss formula uh, program and also my speaking. Um, also, just so you know, I'm just gonna put a little uh, preview out there. I just had some of my music. I'm also a singer and a songwriter and I That's used so cool. I, yeah, I used to do a lot of gigs back in the nineties. And so I recorded my own um, album of uh, twelve original songs called and the album's called uh, I'm Showing Up for My Dream. Oh. And I uh, I got the cassette digitized uh, so now I have it on C D baby and it's it's getting uh, distributed out to iTunes and Spotify. And so it'll also be on my website if you guys want to check it out. And all my songs are really about personal growth. Oh, I'm totally going to check it out. I'm so excited. Yeah. That's very cool. And you have have a resource library on there as well. Oh, yes. I've written, oh, God, my gosh. And a podcast. Yes. I actually host a transformational talk show called Mary Giuliani Live, where I interview other trauma survivors or voices in the uh, community that want to make a difference to help people really improve the quality of their lives, heal from trauma, or, or really just go for their dreams or follow their soul's calling. Um, one of the things I discovered about, after reading Bessel's book, The Body Keeps the Score, is, oh my God, this is my calling. I mean, yeah. I knew that my calling was around helping people live their dreams. But once I got that, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I had trauma and you know, I've been healing on all these other levels, but until this piece came in and that most people don't even realize that they have this and aren't even addressing the ways to heal it, it's right. like, I've got to get out there and help people with this. So yeah. anyway, um, yeah, I'm just uh, excited about uh, helping people really heal uh, at, the, at the root level of their issues, which, which is typically trauma. Right. Well, I think what you're doing is amazing. Um, I'm excited to go listen to your music. And um, yeah, so thank you. Oh, one of my last question was, you know, what is your dream job and are you doing it? And I think you just, you know, answered that yes, you are. Well, I mean, anything that's related to help getting the word out about how uh, adverse childhood experiences can uh, do change the, the brain, body, and mind. And, and so it's so important to educate people about what is going on and also learn how to change systems on a on all the different levels, whether it's in schools and families and government and politics, um, because getting trauma informed on a global level is, is the key. And to me, that's coming from a compassionate place and, and you know, will solve so many other problems because at the root, when we really, really all get that we're really all innocent and we really all are doing the best we can, then we can come from the place of a restorative justice uh, sort of angle versus a 
a, a punitive angle. Yeah, right. And we can learn how to love each other and, and be there for each other's uh, growth and healing. Oh, I love it. And I, and I really truly believe, you know, people tell me I have my rose colored glasses on me. My nickname is Glitter Shitter. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, be gentle with yourselves. Bye-bye.